Welcome to Tucson New Thought. So at the end of that song, there's almost, well, most singers will sing a high C at the end of that song. And, and I did it earlier in rehearsal, and then I got here and I thought, is this really in me right in this moment? I thought, not in this moment, and that's okay. That is okay. I never know what to do with us. I'm going to put this here. I can't, have lectern, will tra- or have pulpit, will travel. <laughs> I used to say that when we were doing uh, services over at Spark. <laughs> everything has its season. Everything has its time. Show me a reason and I'll soon show you a rhyme. Cats fit on the windowsill. Children fit in the snow. Here's the big question. Why do I feel I don't fit in anywhere I go? Has anyone ever felt like that? That is a rhetorical question. I mean, we could do group therapy. I could just sit down and be like, so what are times when you felt you didn't fit in? You know, there have been plenty of times when I felt I didn't fit in. I, uh, well, and I've gone back and forth in my life around places I feel I fit in, places I don't feel I fit in, and even in places where I feel I fit in, sometimes I feel like, oh, maybe I don't fit in. I think we kind of go through this. We go through this cycle, this process, and it's okay. And I think we need to let ourselves off the hook of thinking we don't fail, like, like, like we don't fit in. Because here's the infinite spiritual truth. You fit in. You fit in wherever you are with whatever you are doing. That is the infinite truth because you are present to your life. You are here on this plane of experience. You are here on this plane of action. So you must be valuable to this thing called life. You fit in. And I think many of us go through this search. You know, this is, the, this is really the, well, except for uh, the opening number, this is the first, like, big song that Pippin sings in the musical Pippin. It's from a musical. I don't know if you caught that. <laughs> the musical Pippin, about the son of Charlemagne who is on his journey. He's on his quest. He's on his path of self-discovery. That's what the whole show is about, his path of self-discovery. So, you know, he starts off by saying, he sings this song. I want to find my corner of the sky. I want to find that place where I fit in. I want to be able to absolutely live life to the fullest. And as he goes through, he tries all these different things, and he finally lands on knowing who he is, is the thing that brings him to the place where he wants to be. That's how I interpret the show. Because there was a big controversy about how this show ends. Uh, the show ends with the, the, the player, the, um, played by Ben Vereen in the original, basically saying, you need to have a big, you know, big uh, show-stopping number to take you out. And he says, but the big show-stopping number is that you're going to go up in flames and be burned, burned alive. He says, that's the way that it should end, and that's how you will find yourself. And Pippin says, no, I don't need all the splishy, splashy stuff. I don't need all that hoopla. I know who I am. And knowing who I am is all I ever really needed to begin with. I talked about that a few weeks ago. Sort of a similar story of Wizard of Oz, right? When I talked about Wizard of Oz a few weeks ago, all these these stories are stories of self-discovery, of that 
journey to the deepening in the understanding of who we are. So I got to find my corner of the sky. My oh, I actually created a slide for my talk title today. My corner of the sky. Don't you like that? I love that. Makes me think of Nebraska. <laughs> so the question that leads Pippin is, who am I? What am I doing? How do I get to be? Where is my corner of the sky? How do I fit in? I think in some ways we come to New Thought Centers because many people come to New Thought Centers. They come to religious science or unity or divine science or whatever religious uh, or New Thought paradigm you may find yourself in. I was, <laughs> I was raised in, for the last decade and a half in religious science. So that's my paradigm. That's, that's the paradigm that I have accepted to be who I am. And that's okay, right? Yes? Because I get to experience it all. And I chose for Tucson New Thought to be a center for new thought without the religious science title because I wanted to embrace more. I wanted to embrace more of what there is in this world to be experienced and offered in a faith tradition. So I want to start with this. Emerson wrote this. All life is an experiment. The more experiments you make, the better. But I think some of us are afraid to experiment. I know I have been afraid to experiment. Why? Because I thought, oh, if I try something, I might make a mistake, and then what will I look like? I'll look foolish. I'll look like I don't know what I'm doing. And boy, we live in a society where people want you to look like you know what you're doing all the time. But we are here to experiment with this thing called life. You know, I talk about, I said at the beginning that the purpose of our time here on this plane of action is to connect. But if we are not out there experimenting with our lives, we will never connect. So it's important to me to preach this message. Preach, preach! To preach this message that it is up to us to put ourselves out there, put ourselves on the line so that we can have the most full experience of life possible. So how do we live life to the fullest? How do we find that corner of the sky, which is our most expansive and expressive experience of life? That's the big question this month. Living life to the fullest is the month's theme. But do you know how to do that? Everyone's like, is that a rhetorical question? <laughs> Because here's what I can offer you. I can experiment in my own life and find what works for me. It is up to you to find what works for you. And you can only do that really through experimentation, through trial and error. In religious science, and I'm gonna talk about religious science a little bit, we, the, people in religious science love to say, this is a science because we can demonstrate, we can prove a principle. And the truth is, it is not a science. It is a faith. It is a philosophy. It is a way of being in this world. Now, there are some people who will say, but I have demonstrated in my life. And I will say, that's really great. But it's not because of the philosophy. It's because you have accepted into your own heart and mind what you would like to experience. Let's separate those two. Let's separate those two and say, it is a faith, a philosophy, and a way of life. And we can choose to be in it. We don't have to choose to be in it. But here's what I know. If you choose to be in it, the science part of it is you are 
called upon to be a scientist in your life and let the world be your laboratory and experiment. Experiment. Because what is true and demonstrable to you will be a different experience for other people. That's why we can't call it a science, because there's no consistent thing. Demonstrations happen in an individualized, unique way. That's the truth. And I know that because I look out here, and every single person has a unique expression and identity. You are all demonstrations of an infinite power of love. So how do we live life to the fullest? I want to ask you this question. What is important to you? Rhetorical. <laughs> you know, I really thought at some point I was going to get away with, like, I wouldn't have to tell people it was a rhetorical question, but it kind of is part of my ministry. It has been for years, because I love to ask the questions. And I love to hear the answers in class, so I'll see you at noon. <laughs> what is important to you and not with this caveat. I don't want you to tell me what you think is important to you, or I don't want you to consider what is important to you because other people will look at you and think it's important. I want you to truly search your own heart right here and right now to determine what is important for you without any other influence. Because I know what it is for me. But it took me a long time to discover what is important to me and I had to do the work to live the results. What is important to me, I get to answer because it's my show. <laughs> what is important to me is loving kindness and almost nothing else because everything else is superfluous. When I am rooted in and living as loving kindness, Everything shows up in my world in equal proportion to that because that's where I start in mind and in heart. That's the fundamental truth of new thought. Whatever we are focused on in mind and in heart, whatever we decide is important in mind and in heart is what will be reflected back to us in our experience. And, and, we have experiences that don't feel so good as well. I am rooted in a consciousness of loving kindness, and I have experiences that would seem to, note that I say seem to, that would seem to be counter to that idea. But what makes it in alignment with that idea is when those things show up in my life, I recognize that I have attracted it to myself for the purposes of allowing myself to move through the experience so that I can deepen even more into loving kindness. It's not that there are tests, it's not that there are lessons, except the ones that I draw into my own experience and decide either at the level of awareness, but usually level below awareness, that I need to express even more. I had, a, I had an experience that I've talked about before uh, that would be, seem counter to the experience of loving kindness, and it was a toxic relationship that I was in at the turn of the millennium, which I, I, the last time I said it, I said, that's weird to say, but it's when it happened. It was, in the, it was 1990. I, I started that relationship in 99. It was over in 2001. Toxic, 
But in retrospect, because I can only look at that in retrospect because it was before I came into this philosophy, I can look and say, I drew that experience to myself. I am not going to put myself into a place of blame for having the experience because that is detrimental to my own consciousness of loving kindness towards myself. But what I do know is that I am in a place where I can be responsible for the experience, responsible for that activity, responsible for the life I was experiencing at that time, and responsibility does not equate to blame what it is. It is knowing who I am and my ability to respond appropriately. It is my responsibility. The more we deepen into taking charge and knowing who we are, the responsibility factor gets easier. And so I had a really, and Carrie Mon will tell you, Carrie Mon, my sister will tell you, toxic relationship <laughs> with a capital T. I mean, for real, with a capital T, toxic relationship. <laughs> But boy, I learned so much. And that is the blessing. Now, do I think that we need to have, let's see, now this is where I got into trouble the last time. Do I think we need to have those experiences to learn the lesson? I don't. But if you have them, learn the lesson. <laughs> because if you don't learn the lesson, it'll keep showing up. There will, you will continue to have experiences that show up in your life that say, Hello, do I need to beat you over the head with a two by four for you to get this lesson? There's a story also that allows us to take note that other people's opinions of us don't matter. Because while I was having the experience, there were a lot of people who had opinions about it. I chose to not let them matter in my life. I had the experience until I was ready to let go of the experience. And you know what, that was okay. We need to let go of other people's opinions. I know it's challenging for some of us. I still have a challenge with that because I want people to like me. I want people to like me, right? But I guarantee you, as many people like you in the world, you're gonna find people that don't like you in the world. <laughs> and if you keep looking for it, you're gonna keep finding it. So let's let go of the, pins, the opinions of people who don't like us and let's let go of the opinions of people who do like us. There is a story about a woman who was uh, attending a, a spiritual service, a church function, and she went to the minister, and she had a complaint for the minister. She said, you know what? I see all around me people who have opinions about the way you should minister. I can resonate with this. <laughs> people have opinions about the way you should minister, and I don't like it, and I think that you should do something about it. And he said, Here's what I'm gonna do about it. I want you to go get a glass and I want you to fill the glass to the brim with water. And I want you to carry that around with you all through next week's service. She thought, well, that's weird. Okay. But she did it. She took the advice and she got her glass of water and through the whole next week, she carried that water around with her. And, you know, some people asked her about it and she said, oh, I'm experiencing something that was that, that, that our minister asked me to do. But she kept that glass of water and she didn't allow a drop of it to spill. And at the end of the service, she sat her, she, she set it down, she went up to the minister and she said, what was that all about? He said, let me ask you this. 
this entire day, did you notice or hear any of the opinions of others? Well, no, I was too focused on the glass of water. Can you find yourself in a place to be focused on that glass of water, or are you going to continue to let yourself pay attention to others? I think it's important that we trust that we hold that glass of water. One of the challenges in groups of people is that uh, we can get really caught up in other people's BS belief system. But sometimes that belief system is BS. <laughs> it's up to us to determine where are we going to place, where we are going to place our focus. All right. So here's the thing. If we are going to step out and find our corner of the sky, if we are going to live life to the fullest, if we are going to do this, we must be willing to take risks. I've talked about this a lot. I'm not going to hammer this into the, I'm not going to hammer over this too much. Uh, because uh, life without risks is a life lived in fear. I talked about fear last week. Which reminds me, did you do the homework? Those of you who were here, there was homework. Identify at least one fear you have. Give yourself time to reflect on that fear, centered, meditative, and move from that place of fear into the fullness of knowing who you are. Because what happens when we move to the fullness of knowing who we are, the fear dissipates. Celebrate the freedom you discover. That was the homework last week. Now, many of you said yes, I'm not gonna ask for hands. But if you didn't do it last week, do it this week. And in fact, keep doing it. Because as you do the work, what happens? You. You live the results. Keep your mind open. So be a risk taker. Keep your mind open. I love this new thought philosophy because the whole point of view of the new thought philosophy is that we are open at the top. We are open to discover new things. We are open to, to evolve as individualizations of this thing called spirit. It is how we evolve by keeping our minds open. Any place where I see that something, somebody wants to stop me from having an open mind, I will run screaming from that experience. I didn't always do that, but I do now. I've talked about a way of doing this, keeping your mind open and taking risks, which are, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to give this as homework, but it, at this point, those of you who've been here for a while, perhaps this is a new way of being in your life where you say yes to everything but also recognizing that sometimes saying no is the best yes you can say to yourself. Only you know that in your own heart. This week, one of the ways of living life to the fullest, and one that I haven't really talked about that much because this venue is harder to do this, but I am opening myself up to new ways of allowing this to be, and that is ask questions. Now, class is a, great is a great place to ask questions. I have now started putting a piece of paper in your handouts uh, that says, if you have a question that comes up during the celebration, during the service, write it down. And then when the, when the uh, offering basket goes by, put it in there. And what I'm committing myself to doing is taking those questions and addressing them a little bit later in the day on Facebook Live. Now, not everybody has Facebook. I get it. I will post it on YouTube as well. 
and uh, it'll go out with the Monday email so that you can have a link. Maybe your question will be answered. I'm not going to be able to get all the questions, but I will do my best. And that goes for everyone who's watching online, too. You can post your questions in the comments section of this video. And as you do that, I can address them there as well. Every day, here's what I want you to do. Uh, it's the homework time. I want you to ask these questions. What is good in my life? What am I grateful for? And how can I serve? And I'm not letting you get away without having something that will help remind you of that. Can you just uh, take one and pass it along? Carry this with you in your pocket. Allow yourself to be reminded by pulling it out of your pocket, your handbag, whatever, wherever you choose to keep it. But allow yourself to have it in a place where you're going to notice it throughout the week. What is good in my life? What am I grateful for? How can I serve? For me, living life to the fullest really became rooted when I learned how to be of service. I live my life more fully now by being in service than I ever did thinking that I needed people to serve me. I would love to do a random reading. Would you? Yeah. Do me the favor of actually just choose since I don't need to see it. <laughs> I mean, I will need to know what the number is. Two twenty-two. All right. I will say, I love this book. This is a bit of a challenge, this book, to do this particular activity. Because the, the, this book, uh, there are a lot of, uh, a lot of the paragraphs are in the middle of thoughts. One, or, one through seven, I need a number between one and seven. I heard seven first. should have my glasses on. All great spiritual teachers have told us this, and they were right. All thought of big and little, hard and easy, can and cannot, must be divorced from our treatment. Treatment is affirmative prayer, if you're not familiar with the term in this philosophy. Remember that the same ingenuity, the same creative power that flows into the largest form also creates the smallest form. I'm going to read that again. All great spiritual teachers have told us this, that they, and they were right. All thought of big and little, hard and easy, can and cannot, must be divorced from our treatment. Remember that the same ingenuity, the same creative power that flows into the largest form also creates the smallest form. How many of you are going, what does that even mean? Well, that's why I'm here, to explain it to you. <laughs> when we talk about treatment, when we talk about affirmative prayer, which is a primary spiritual tool that we teach within this paradigm, we teach that prayer is here for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to change our minds. Because when we change our minds, the expression and flow of our lives change. Okay? But what we must divorce ourselves from is this idea that we have an attachment to what it will look like when the change happens, either great or small, either good or bad, either big or little, whatever. 
We must divorce ourselves from the idea and the notion that that is important because it's not. What is important is that we are in alignment with the flow of life. That's how prayer treatment is meant to work. Now, you will hear what sound like contradictions in class because in class we teach you must be specific about what it is you are praying for. We teach that you must be specific, but the specificity ultimately comes down to what is it going to feel like when the change happens because the feeling is the way you will know that your prayer has been answered. And it's not necessarily always that the million dollars shows up in your bank account. Although, wouldn't that feel nice? <laughs> That's mo many, many people come to this philosophy because they think, oh, I can develop wealth in my life. And the truth is, you can develop wealth, but you need to know that you are wealth because you are the infinite nature of the divine, which is, which is abundantly expressing in the here and now, right in this moment. And so wealth is who you are already. But until you feel that infinite spiritual truth, you will never experience in the world of form that spiritual truth. It is not about trying to make that thing out there happen. It is about knowing right here in your heart and mind that it is the truth of your being. That's what he's talking about. So we must step away from this idea that it's going to look great or small. We must step away from this idea that it's going to be good or bad. We must step away from those opinions and judgments about what the form looks like. And when we do that, we actually step into this notion of living life to the fullest. And for me, that is how we find our corner of the sky. My corner of the sky is, took me a long time to find. But you know what? I'm here. Sorry. I get really emotional about that because... It was not easy for me to come to this point. And the last thing I want to say is this, that I left a spiritual community that was thriving and joyful and necessary in my life where I had served for uh, five and a half years when I was living in Toronto, Ontario. And that was one of the hardest things I had ever done in my life. But I knew when it was time that it was time. And the way that I knew is the feeling that I had. And the feeling that had come up for me when, that, when I was illuminated into this new idea was this. What was mine to do there was complete. And I honored that. And it was challenging because I left a vibrant community that I love and will always love and we share that love, but it brought me to you. Because I knew what was next for me was something, I knew, it was, I knew it was bringing me back to Tucson, which is where I was born and raised, and I'm grateful for that. And I knew that it was going to be something unlike anything I had ever done before, and I continue to have that experience every single day. And for that, I am grateful. And I'm grateful to each and every one of you for being here, for being present, for being open and being receptive. I invite you to continue to do the work and live the results. Namaste. Thank you for listening. Visit TucsonNewThought.org for updates on everything that's happening at the center. 
and follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching Tucson New Thought. Namaste.